Pico and Sepulveda. Pico. Do he go and go? But then you hit record and you're out the door. Anyway, our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the ray. Hey, hey, you're listening to Crush on Radio, your spot on the dial for that relentless and impenetrable sound of crushing radios. <laughs> I'm your host, Richard J. Anderson, and with me as always is Matt Keeley, except for the times when he's not with us. Which is thankfully rare, or perhaps not thankfully. Yes, but we are not joined this week by Andrew Marvin, uh, scheduling difficulties, so uh, what can you do? Yeah, apparent, apparently eating lunch is more important than doing a podcast, so. Yes. Ooh, look at me. I need food to live. Yes, I'm out to lunch in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, sitting here. Yeah. So, so we're just going to spend spend the hour, like, making fun of him. Yeah, that's a little cruel, <laughs> isn't it? Well, yeah. Okay, we're going to spend the, the last 30 seconds or so making fun of him. As, that? as opposed to the first 30 seconds. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that I meant last as in the immediately previous. Ah. Uh, so we, we got uh, we got some albums to talk to you about today. And, uh, well, I guess we're also going to talk a little bit about the new David Bowie record, because that's big shit. That's big news. And uh, we'll take it from there. Um, but, man. And I'm, I'm still bitter about Google Reader. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? I mean, this isn't uh, Crush on web services, so. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's still, I think it's still worth mentioning that I'm bitter about it. Arr. News blur, man. Sign up. It's a paid service, so it means <laughs> it won't go away so fast. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been kind of, uh, uh, my, my plan is to let the initial hubbub die down a little bit and then uh, uh, sign up with another service. Probably, probably that one, if that's the one that you recommend. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got some good iOS apps, but you don't do iOS. Yeah. Well, that night, I mean, I don't read feeds on devices other than my computer anyway, so. You're old. I know. <laughs> well, a, why would you want to read things on a phone? It's all little. Get a, get a bed, old man. <laughs> What's the deal with these kids today? Reading things on tiny things. Uh, Funk that. <laughs> they're handy, though. I mean, yesterday I went running around Manhattan in the snow, hitting up like about a dozen thrift stores. Man, my legs are killing me. Uh, it was fun, though. Yeah. Uh, and you did you did end up getting a jacket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, 80s dance party I go to in Philly, uh, the club is closing and... This was supposed to be the last year for the party, but uh, now they're ending it in April instead of in December. So it's uh, I got to dress up for it, and I'm dressing basically like it's a funeral. So I needed a nice black jacket, and I got one. And it's cotton, so I can actually go drink, dance in it. Yay. $100, but uh, it was uh, actually... Um, it still had the original tag from Barney's of New York, which is a very, very fancy upscale department store. And while I couldn't yeah. find the price of that original ja- of the original jacket, 
other products in that same line run somewhere between a hundred and four hundred dollars. Yeah, and a lot I figured too. I mean, like that's that's not too bad for a sport coat. That's a that's a nice one too. I think you know. Yeah, and it fits. Exactly, and that's the main thing. That's mm-hmm. that is the important bit. Yeah, and besides, it's not the it's not it's not the uh, the uh, bringing home uh, uh, the uh, the prize. It's the thrill of the hunt. Yes, and you do have like the the photo of the Sparks Luminum Naga Sparks jacket too. Yeah, three hundred dollars for that, Jesus. Yeah, I guess for the people who aren't uh, your Facebook friends, it was a jacket that looks either like depending on your uh, frame of reference, either like the jackets that Devo wore on the uh, Freedom of Choice sleeve, or uh, a jacket that uh, Russell Mail has worn in a few of the uh, Sparks videos, especially like I think like around uh, the uh, '80s, like Womp This Sucker angst era, right? Yeah, like right on the, like it, it right off the of cover the, of angst of my angst in my pants. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the one that's on the uh, all you ever think about is sex single sleeve too, mm-hmm. which might be the same jacket. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, it's clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps you warm. Mm-hmm. For this more about Crush on radio is brought to you by clothes. For more information about men's clothing, please watch the uh, podcast. Put this on at put this on. Dot com. <laughs> Crush on Radio is not sponsored by Put This On. <laughs> so I guess we got some records to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'll take the lead on this one. It's it's episode four, so we're like back around to me anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my pick this week is uh, the album Sell by 2012, which came out um, last month, and it is by the band Body Parts. And this album was really cool. It actually came on a USB stick in this really cool uh, metal uh, case, like a little metal box with a lid and stuff. And not only does it have a USB stick, um, I'm opening the case here. Uh, it also has like an insert of song lyrics and instructions that are very funny. And I'll read some of those after we hear a little bit of uh, one of the songs off of Sell by 2012. Here is Knee Joints. I discovered this band because a friend of the show, Jonathan Pfeffer, was opening for them at their record release party, and basically, I, as soon as they started playing, I fell in love with them, and I'm like, okay, shit, I gotta buy this record. Then I saw it was on a USB stick, and I'm like, oh wow, that's really cool. Um, so let me read to you a little bit of the instruction sheet, by the way, that came with this, uh, <clears throat> came with the USB stick album. Before attempting to connect, operate, destroy, or enjoy this product, please read these instructions carefully. Additionally, in order to feel assured that you have gained a good grasp of every feature provided by your new unit, this manual should be read in its entirety. The manual should then be memorized. How to use the USB stick. 1. Look at it. 2. Take it out of its case. Try not to drop it. If you drop it, it might break. If it breaks, then you won't be able to use it. If you're not able to use it, you might want a refund. If you want a refund, let's talk about it. 
3. Insert it into, the com into your computer. The check indicator will light. 4. Relax. What to do if you accidentally swallow the USB stick? 1. Try to relax. 2. If you're choking, take a brief moment to reflect on what you have and haven't accomplished in your life, then proceed to seek help immediately unless you decide it's not worth it. 3. Wash it down with a full glass of water. 4. Tell your friends. I'll skip ahead a little bit. How to process the audio content in the USB. 1. Press play to begin listening to the music. 2. Do you like it? 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 And it just goes on for that for a whole paragraph. 3. Press stop when you are done. So, uh, I figured this is going to be one of those albums that you, uh, either, re people either really like or really hate, and I'm waiting for you to prove me wrong by saying you actually have no strong feelings about it one way or the other. I have no strong feelings about it one way or the other. <laughs> um, yeah, actually that, that's kind of true. I, it's like one where I really, really like the, uh, the rhythms they use because they use a lot of really complex and kind of that 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 sort of broken robot kind of drum patterns which i do like but a lot of times like the vocals would leave me a little bit cold um it wasn't one that i i really had anything against i think it's something that i definitely need to spend a bit more time with i mean it wasn't like one that was like an instant turn off or or an instant turn on really but it was like one where it's like i could i could I could see value there even at this point where I'm still not sure if it's necessarily for me, if that, if that makes sense. I think so. And, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's one where, I mean, it's like, it's, it's not like a, what was that? Was that need new body that I declared was a waste of everybody's time? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not like that or anything at all. It's, you know, I, and like I say, I mean, like the, the music was uh, really pretty cool. It's just the vocals that are a little bit of an uphill battle, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'd get more out of the vocals if I understood Spanish because I don't, and like, so I'm, then I like I think half the songs like suddenly switch into Spanish lyrics out of nowhere. Yeah, which makes sense because uh, at least I know two, if not all, three of the band members are uh, Hispanic. So. Hmm. But yeah, they they put on a hell of a show though. I'll give them that. Um, it, they're 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 a three piece. Um, got guy on guitar and vocals, guy on drums, uh, and cute girl on synth bass and electric piano. I mean, to the point she was like playing these like cheap ass Casio keyboards, resting on and play on using an ironing board as a uh, keyboard stand, which is really cool. And it's they do a very action packed performance, or at least you know Jorge the guitar player does a very action packed performance because. He's the only one who has the freedom to move around. What with you know, <laughs> yeah. having a guitar and uh, not having to be behind like a keyboard stand or something, or an ironing board. You know, six of one, half a dozen the other. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, I mean, I don't think that there's really too much difference between an ironing board and a keyboard stand because they both usually have the uh, the X structure for stability. Mm -hmm. So you know. Though, why do I always? It, it's uh, Lanell who plays keyboards, right? Right. Yeah, and and yeah, and he has like this table that's designed by Brian Dewan. Yeah, it's like a big ass wooden table. Yeah, which I always thought was kind of interesting because it's it's both cool and looks really really cool, but kind of low rent, you know. Which is like like they're just sort of like, oh shit, I I, I need something to put that keyboard on. I'll take my kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just it's got to be a pain in the ass when they're putting it into the tr- into the van. I I would imagine unless it's collapsible, which it might be because I you know because hmm. I mean like you know Dewan you know built it for that so okay so I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's collapsible in some way. Yeah. So yeah, the band um body parts they're it's it's an interest they have an interesting aesthetic though and uh, you might want to take a look at their website and watch the music video for for knee joints which is wonderfully surreal. Yeah, it involves will it, will it, it, it involves in the show ba- notes. Yes, and it involves bananas. I like bananas. Yeah, nanner nanner nanner. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the other cool thing about being on a USB stick is that it's got the album in MP3 and uncompressed wave. Mm. Uh, it's got a music the uh, music video for knee joints and uh, a making of little making of video and um, a image of the ugly housewife from Ugly Housewife Has a Headache. <laughs> Is Which, she ugly? Yes, it's a very creepy drawing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's cool, and it's just I think it was worth the fifteen bucks just just for the packaging. Cool. And the music. I, I think is, it's something. Oh, I was going to say I think that's something that you know people kind of forget about now is is the allure of cool packaging. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's like that's one of the, the reasons why I still actually buy physical media is you know sometimes you get stuff that's really cool looking, you know, and and I think you it, it's kind of depressing when you get stuff that's just like, you know, oh, here's a cover and a back cover and a disc. Done. Yeah, like the Resonance 10-2 time CD I picked up at the show. Yeah. Cool it's, CD, but yeah, it was sort of like just a sleeve. Yeah. Did you go to the show, the Resonance show? I could not make it, unfortunately. So I was sad. Aw. Because they played Santa Dog. Aw. I, I um a friend of mine was surprised that they actually played like not one but two tracks from the uh Hello EP. The uh Prelude to Ted, the Teds? The Yeah, Prelude to the Teds, thank you. Yeah, I'm not terribly familiar with that one, so Uh it's on uh they, they re put it out on um Roosevelt or uh, Roosevelt two point I think. Yeah, no I know I've got that. I just I don't I'm not terribly familiar with that suite. Tell you the truth, I'm not really either like it's it's one of those ones that like i when it when i listen to it i, I enjoy it but it doesn't really leave uh us uh uh a mark as well as some of the other residential stuff at least for me anyway yeah so there's that um <laughs> i think we're ready to talk about the flying lizards then okay i would like to tell a story today about <sighs> my It's a good story. Once upon a time, there was a fella, and the fella was named David Cunningham. And David Cunningham lived in the magical land of England as a avant-garde composer. One day, one fine day, as a larf, he recorded a single. And that single was a stripped-down cover of Summertime Blues, which... Uh, was also known as the cheapest single ever recorded because he recorded it for a price of about 14 pounds. Uh, I'm pretty sure that would just be for paying for the tape itself. And while tape can be expensive, only about, you know, five minutes worth of it isn't, isn't that bad. So um, he, he uh, set it to Virgin as a larf and they loved it and put it out and it sold a whole bunch of copies. So Virgin came back to our our protagonist, David Cunningham, and said, we would like another single. 
And so he said, uh, okay. And so he went back to, to his studio, as it were, and uh, repeated the formula for a cover of the song Money, That's What I Want, which many people are familiar with because it was an even bigger hit. And it even crossed over to the U.S., which is a less magical land. The then Virgin came back and said, we want an album. And David Cunningham said, uh, you, you know that the, the Flying Lizards aren't actually a band and just a name I slapped on this because I figured I needed a name other than my own, right? And they said, we want an album. So he said, okay. And he ended up doing an album, which uh, un, un, unlike the, uh, his formula for the follow-up single, deviated from the pattern. Uh, the uh, B side of the single was mostly a soundscape, uh, the a- or the album. The uh, A side of the album featured both of the singles along with one other original song that was in the sim- in a similar vein. However, also featured different different sounding songs, and opened with a cover of the Mandalay song from the Three Three Penny Opera by uh, Brecht and Vile, which was very, very frantic and in barked German. <laughs> so I, I always like imagine what it must have been like to, you know, by the by the uh new album by those guys who did those like really funny covers of uh old R and B songs and and be fronted with the Mandalay song. So anyway, the album sold a fair amount and so Virgin asked for a follow up. This time, uh, David Cunningham said, well, you know what? Instead of doing basically kind of a, a, a prank, I- I'm going to try to do a, a, a more straightforward pop album or at least, you know, applying his, you know, uh, avant-garde composer simp- uh, sensibilities to a pop album. And so he made Fly- uh, the Flying Lizard's second album, Fourth Wall, with Patty Paladin on vocals. And that is my pick. The uh, uh, in, in one attempt to kind of reclaim it, the uh, lead single was a cover of Curtis Mayfield's Move On Up. However, it was not done in that stripped down style from the first album, but a very cool sounding, fuller arrangement. Um, the single did not do well and the album did not do well, presumably because the uh the majority of the record-pying public who do not like really cool avant-garde records said, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And Virgin ended up dropping uh, the protagonist, David Cunningham, from the label. And he ended up doing one more record for as uh, Flying Lizards, which was called Top Ten, which was actually an entire album of songs of cover songs in the style of those first two singles as kind and to be honest i i i don't know if it was sort of intended as a fuck you or if it was just sort of like well i'm gonna do this 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 you know this as a its own project i I, i'm still not really sure which it was but uh it did not get very good distribution and was you know not not a hit either so uh let us With that story uh, told and, and with uh, the, the protagonist, David Cunningham, retreating back into the world of avant-garde uh, serious music, we shall now hear a little bit of one of the tracks from the unfairly maligned Fourth Wall album, and that is 
Hands to Take. Let's hear a little bit of that right now. And as you well know, sitting down, not standing, is a common dwarf disguise. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I love this record. I, I love all three of the Flying Lizards albums, although I think uh, Top 10 is best is one of those ones that's best suited for mixed taste because each of the individual songs is really good. And I, I particularly love the covers of Sex Machine and um, uh, Suzanne of Leonard Cohen's Suzanne. But as an album, it gets a little exhausting. Uh, where, on the other hand, the other two have a lot of different sounds going on and either a mix of song, straight-up song structure and soundscapes, and it's just really, really cool. So there's, there's that. And uh, I, I say that there's, there's three albums, and there's only three proper, but there was one other Flying Lizards album that was released uh, in 1995, I believe, give or take, that's called The Secret Dub Life of Flying Lizards, which is actually uh, really, really interesting. And... Uh, Basically, uh, back in the initial love affair between uh, Virgin Records and David Cunningham, they commissioned him to do a dub album of a uh, of a reggae record that you know they had acquired, and he said, "Okay, that that sounds good," and send me the tapes. And Virgin sent him the tapes. Unfortunately, it was a mono mix down, which means you typically can't do a a dub version of that because dub typically requires each of the individual tracks you know, being manipulated and turned into something new. So instead of saying, hey, you sent me the mono version. Well, actually, he did say that, but Virgin didn't, they just went, <laughs> uh, he ended up inventing a bunch of techniques to actually, you know, figure out how to actually do a dub record from a mono mixed down thing. Yeah, like basically, basically he the equivalent of making a dub record out of being handed, handed an LP, you know, that you could buy at the store and say, you know, have fun. So it, 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 it's, it's pretty interesting and actually pretty cool, but it's, it's, it's kind of a footnote and it's kind of a footnote for a reason, but it's still, it's still pretty much worth checking out. But yeah, I, I, I love flying lizards. I think, I think David Cunningham is brilliant. Um, and I, I think Patty Paladin is a wonderful vocalist. So it's like, it's really cool that he worked with her on that. And, you know, also, you know, worked with uh, David Toop and Steve Beresford who are also, uh, known as General Strike and have done a lot of their own stuff. And David Toop has, has written like a ton of books about music. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it actually like for, for basically what, what's intended as a one off single by a novelty band, it's got a really high pedigree. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I love this stuff. I love both of the records. Well, both the first two. And then I love all of the records. Let's, let's just say it that. So, um, after my um, special special fairy tale of the creation of flying lizards, what did you think about the noble David Cunningham's um, second attempt at pop stardom? Interesting stuff. I mean, the uh, the hook track I, I'd heard before. You put it on one of your mix CDs. I don't know which one. Let's double check here. Hands to take Jeff Bridges. I don't need no Jeff Bridges to put music to my poem. Where the hell oh, did that, that title come from, anyway? 
uh, an episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of Tim and Eric, and I was like an early adopter of Tom Goes to the Mayor. And I was like, oh, my God, you all have to see this show. And basically everyone had that same kind of Ugh, <laughs> reaction that you just had, Rich. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched one episode of that and I'm like, OK, that was one episode too many. <laughs> Though the mix CD is great. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I mean, it's got Pico and Simple Velda on it. Yes. Pico and Sepulveda. Pico. I, I, when I uh, went to L.A. Uh, uh, a while ago, I made, uh, like, that was, like, the first thing I took a picture of was the intersection of Pico and Sepulveda. There's nothing there, by the way. Yeah, there's a picture I of it on Wikipedia. Gas station. <laughs> go away, Anyway. So this was, it was interesting hearing the full album. Um, Hands to Take, it's, it's a wonderfully creepy song. Um, well, the whole album's actually fairly creepy. Yeah. yeah we're a long way from uh, the robot voice of, uh, you know, that, the robot woman voice of money, that's what I want. But uh, yeah, it's, I'm not sure if this is something I'm going to go into on a regular basis, but it, 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 I, was, I was pleased by it. Um, I don't know, really know what to expect except for Hands to Take, but the whole album sounds a lot like that, so. Yeah, or, or at least pretty much all the this, this straight up songs do, and there there are a lot of um, soundscapes on that album, too, like uh, Glide Spin and stuff like that. Yeah, they all, they kind of, they, it all kind of flows into each other. Yeah. I think that was probably the point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of its, its charms rather than a, a detraction. I think it's like, it really is like a couple of song suites, basically, or... Mm-hmm. You know, one for each side of the record. Yeah, I, I'll have to maybe spend a little more time with it, but it's uh, it's not a. I don't think it's an everyday record. I I can see that, but it like it's one that I I really do enjoy like pulling out when it's when it's time. Yeah, when it's time. Yeah, I feel that way with a lot of Resonance records, um, a lot of a lot of Zappa records, mm. a lot of some Perubu stuff. Well, that reminds me. I was also. I was gonna compare uh, body parts to X models. Mm. I don't remember what you stood on the on them. I think I pr- was pro. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I the thing is, is like I think like uh, that was when I listened to my on my own. I think that was one of the shows I missed. <laughs> it was an actual pick. Oh oh oh! Really? I mean, it, it's possible. It's possible. It might, yeah, it might have been I, I remember. I, yeah, I remember listening to it because I was just I, I was like just curious. I ended up like getting you know. You know, both of your picks for those weeks anyway, you know, or you and Andrews, of course. And because, you know, usually I was like, I enjoy it, or at least it's sort of, uh, it, it it's curated choices. So yeah. it's, you know, it tends to be pretty good. That's kind of what we're aiming for with the whole crush on radio thing anyway. And so it's kind of nice to know that, you know, that that works as well for the host as it hopefully does for you, the listener. Yes. Note singular. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you just have to be in the mood for, for a record um, to listen to it. It doesn't reflect badly on the record or the listener. It just al- certain albums have a certain requirement of time, space, mood. Um, the the latest Perubu album uh, for me falls into that. I mean, I gave it like a couple really quick, you know, great, serious listens in multiple places after after I bought it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very intense experience. And I remember walking home walking home late one night 
having listened to it on the subway and the final track comes on and I'm walking out of the subway and I'm walking to my to the apartment here and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is fucking scary. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to it really since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there's sometimes where you do get like those kind of things where it is sort of like, okay, I want to lay down and cry now. <laughs> yeah, suicide, for example. Yes. <laughs> We're all Frankies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, yeah. So, what do you, what do you, have you finally listened to the new David Bowie? Yes, I have. Uh, I, I've only listened to it once, so I haven't I haven't like formed huge opinions yet. But I do enjoy it. I think it's I think it really reminds me of Heathen, which is good because I love Heathen. Yeah. Um. I I've I've given I've given it one full listen as well. Um. And I'm I'm very impressed with it. Um, I'm not totally I'm not completely sold on like most of the late era Bowie. Like, uh, what was the what's the album that basically like we say like everyone says like restarted his career? Um, hours I think. Probably, yeah, yeah, I think probably hours or maybe Earthling. Okay, but probably hours I think. Yeah, because I I know I haven't listened to all of them, but. I know I've listened to I've listened to Heathen and I've listened to uh, Outside and I've listened to Reality. Yeah. And I've listened to I'll... The Leak of Toy. Yeah. Do you Toy... have that? Yes. Um and I I like of those ones like Reality is okay. Like it, it has its moments but eh. and I actually quite like Outside aside from the kind of dippy uh narrative bits. Mhm. The the actual songs on on outside are pretty awesome. It's just that you have the the unsatisfying story, which I guess is was part of going to be part of a trilogy, I guess, that never got made. So I you know, I mean maybe maybe the story wouldn't be so unsatisfying if we actually had the other two halves, but or the other two parts, but but yeah, it's as it is, it's like it's a collection of really great songs with some kind of hilariously awful interludes. <laughs> I mean, you know, bless him for trying because he's David Bowie. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean that—that's the cool thing with Bowie is that he is a man who doesn't have to try. I mean, he's David Bowie. I mean, he, you know, you know, he could shit out something and it would go to the top of the charts. You know, I don't so, know. And, and, um, what, what was the one he put out after Let's Dance? Oh, um, <clears throat> was that tonight? <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, why don't I just why don't I just look this the hell up? Because <laughs> there was that period, like post "Let's Dance," pre "Tin Machine," yeah, and yeah, even "Tin Machine" has its has its issues. Yeah, "Tin Machine." I I, I think "Tin Machine's a little bit malign, like unfairly maligned, but not. It's not a, a lost classic either. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think people give it a little bit too much shit. It should it should just get the right amount of shit. Yeah, tonight never let me down is actually the album I was thinking of. But yeah. ah, there you go. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah that- for me, like. Pretty much everything between uh, uh, of of the ones that are actually under Bowie's name, anyway. Like I think, like pretty much, like uh, uh, was it black to- black tie white noise is sort of the last of the the kind of shitty era. Mm-hmm. I mean, my opinion, black tie white noise. I mean, that was his uh, album that he recorded about his wedding, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's that, that's that's just that's that's an interesting one. In, in, yeah, in concept. I mean, maybe it's not like, yeah, whatever. 
Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, but I mean, like with that, like cause, I mean, I think outside was right after that, right? Well, there was the soundtrack to Buddha of Suburbia. Oh yeah, but, but that's the one that's got. Uh, I'm afraid of Americans, isn't it? No, no, that's uh, Earthling. I think. Okay. Uh, the guy's got such a huge. Yeah, you're right. The guy's got such a huge discography. Yeah, I, I really like I'm Afraid of Americans, by the way. I think that's great. Oh, that's, that is, well, that is. Yeah, I mean, I, and the thing is, too, is, I mean, I think I like Nine Inch Nails better than you do, too, so for me, that's, like, extra double plus good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that I dislike Nine Inch Nails, and I have a lot of respect for Trent, but, like, some of it's just a little too... Rawr! Angry! Rawr! <laughs> yeah, I, I think... Or, like, rawr! Um, miserable! Rawr! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think my main thing with Trent, and it, luckily it seems that he has kind of realized this with the past few records, is that a lot of his 13-year-old angst sounds kind of weird and sad coming from a 40-year-old man. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, I think it's one where it's it's worked a lot better because he's gone into more of the concept-y kind of records. Like, I mean, like um, Year Zero, you know, which is actually like about you know, the future and a, you know, a, you know, uh, government led dystopia and, and stuff like that. It's kind of based on, you know, the, the more unsavory factors of the GOP and stuff like that. And it's sort of, you know, I, I think when he branches out to that kind of thing, it's a lot more successful than when he's singing ostensibly as himself and being all like, I I am angst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is not to say that a lot of the angst songs are really good. It's just that they do sound a little weird. You know, it's sort of like with um, Hurt. Like uh, Johnny Cash really has the definitive version of that. I think even Trent has said so. Right. And it's kind of funny where it's like you have a song that pretty much all the same lyrics that sounds a little overwrought from. Let's see, he was probably thirty at that time, give or take but are perfect in the the voice of a man who's almost 80. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere basically Cash recorded that as... Someone proposed that Cash recorded that as basically a way to tell his fans that he was dying. Yeah. And Which, it, it's so sad, but gorgeous, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I've read the same thing where Trent Reznor basically said, yeah, it's his song now. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool, too, of Trent to not be all... You know, because, I mean, sometimes you get people who are kind of like who get butthurt over the idea that someone else has like had a hit with their song or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's sort of like, dude, just no, <laughs> you know? So I think it's cool that Trent was all like, no, this is a Johnny cash song. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Trent's not complaining about the world. It checks. Well, of course, but yeah, but back to Bowie. Um, I still think the coolest thing about when I talked about like, uh, where are we now? A couple weeks ago, I, I'm still just blown away that the fact that everyone was he, this just came out of nowhere this the, the single the album and Bowie being a living breathing artist again. Yeah, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean, and and I uh, I have to say like I um I liked the the um the this the first single of uh, Where Are We Now, and that has definitely grown on me since I've listened to it, and especially listening to it in the context of the full album. But like, um, you know, <laughs> editor's notes, see Crush on Radio episode three, season two for details. <laughs> um, but like I for me, like the the video and single of um, the stars is like so fucking awesome. I know. I know. That, um, 
that that one kicked my ass like that that one like like for me like uh i think i think where are they now is is kind of mellow and it was like it kicked my ass more for the fact that it was bowie mm-hmm. and the fact that you know he he is shown up after what 10 15 years yeah like 10 years uh, yeah and uh, um at where the stars kicked my ass because it was kick ass you know yeah well i think they're both kick ass in different ways but Oh, well, yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, mean, like the video for me, the video for uh, stars is so much more than the video for uh, where are we now? Yeah, no argument there. It, I mean, there's the yeah. Who is the guy that look uncannily like the young David Bowie? Oh, um, well, there's Tilda Swenson, who was his wife, who also looks a lot like Bowie. Um, then there was the younger David Bowie, who is like a God, I cannot remember her name. Uh, she was like an Italian model, I think. Mm hmm. And then, and then the two stars. Um, there was Andre Perzik, uh, I think his his name, who was the uh, the lady star, and I don't remember the woman's name, who was the man star. Yeah, because there's this one scene where it's like you got David Bowie on one side of the screen, the wall, and then someone who looks ridiculously like Ziggy Stardust, Sarah David Bowie. Bo- yeah, yeah, and, and, and that, that was that was just a powerful, model. powerful scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's so. Yeah, I just the entire thing is amazing. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just you know that that was one that I was like 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 I say. I mean, like like for me, I mean that was the one that just was like kicked my ass and really got me like super excited over the new David Bowie album. Instead, just really really excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how many artists like David Bowie can have a long fruitful career? then restart their long fruitful career after a string of not so great albums disappear for a decade and come back and blow people's minds again seriously i mean it's i mean it's it's really amazing i mean like Kraftwerk did that but like you know because i mean i I think the um true to front soundtracks is really really good but yeah when they came out when when true to front soundtracks came out the 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 the, um the only negative word I heard about it was that, well, the first three tracks all sound the same. <laughs> and that's like, dude, the first three tracks, I mean, not counting like the intro, are just three pieces of a larger suite. Right, right, right. Of course it's they're like, going to sound the same. Wh- yeah, it's like, why, why, I, Tommy's okay, but why do they keep saying that, like, see me, hear me crap? <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the people who complain about, um, What's the Daft Punk album, the third one? Um, oh, Human After All? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, all the songs are repetitive. Do you not <laughs> listen to electronic music? <laughs> it, you know, it has its roots in Krautrock, which is all about that metronomic beat. Yeah, the, the, the motoric ba- beat. Yeah. You know, come back and find, you c- c- can complain about something that's not endemic to the, if you're going to complain about something about these records, that's fine, but don't complain about something that's an integral part of what they are. Yeah, complain about the bugs, not the features. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, one thing I do want to talk about with the Bowie record, though, is the cover artwork. And I, I seem to be, like, increasingly in the minority of people who think that the, the, the cover artwork is really ass and phoned in. It's... Like, I don't know if it, I don't think it's ass and phoned in. I I mean, 
I'm of like two minds. It's like, okay, um, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I just, mm. it, I, it, it's, it's there. Yeah, I don't know. It's like when when I when I first thought it was on um, Amazon when they had just announced uh, "Where Are We Now" in the new album, uh, and so I and I honestly thought it was a placeholder image, you know, just because I don't know. To me, like, I, I guess I kind of understand what the the designer was trying to say, but it it just honestly struck me more as like. You know, almost like that Bowie sprung it on the design offices when he sprung it on the rest of us. And they had to say, they were like, oh shit, we got 20 minutes. Uh, 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 I got a copy of Heroes lying here. Where's my Sharpie? Can I post it? (laughs) 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 And yeah, I don't know. I I mean, given that that Bowie is, you know, is, is such a visual artist as well. It just seemed kind of like kind of a cop out to me, and I I was sort of like, huh. Although I guess in a way it kind of bookends with reality, which was sort of a unfortunate unfortunate victim of excess and mm. deviant art. Oof, yeah. <laughs> with the really bad fake anime Bowie on the cover and stuff like that, so uh, it's very, know, it was very two thousand and three. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and the the weird thing is, is I mean, coming off of like Heathen, like artistically, I mean, from just from a packaging standpoint, like to me, I thought Heathen was really cool and slick looking. And I mean, like that that I think is like a great piece of of record iconography. And then and then you had Reality, which is you know, your the 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 the, the shitty demo that you send to a college radio station that doesn't get played. You know, from from an artistic standpoint again. So. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the you know the sharpie and the post-it of the next day. So, I mean, it works. It doesn't offend me. It just, it's there. It's there. I guess. I I I guess for me, maybe it's that you know the fact that it's just there is what offends me for for considering that it's Bowie. Hmm. I mean, it could be. It could be worse. Oh yeah, <laughs> reality. <laughs> I, I, I hate to keep harping on that, but I mean, honestly, that's a fucking terrible sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> well, I've seen worse sleeves by other artists. Well, that's true, too, but other artists aren't David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you think he's going to tour, tour for this? Um, I've, I really hope so, although I know that uh, Tony Visconti has said that he won't. But, you know, I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, like for the past, you know, decade, we've never thought that he'd record again, too. So who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, yeah it's like I, I really hope he does. But I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I think like the last thing David Bowie did before this musically was uh, he like did a sing like a, a live EP with the Arcade Fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, and I, I could... know. I mean, he's, he has occasionally like shown up on stuff. But but yeah, it's like, you know, that this is the the first thing that like Bowie has actually done for him or, you know, as himself, which is amazing. And it's, you know, cause I mean, like I, I kind of get the impression that a lot of the other stuff where he just kind of, you know, showed up was more for fun. Like sort of like, I'm bored. I'm going to crash the arcade fires concert. Yeah. 
Which, you know, being David Bowie, he can do that, even though it's probably all worked out well in advance. But I just like the idea of David Bowie, like, showing up at random shows, being all like, put me on stage. <laughs> I don't care what you were doing before. I'm David Bowie. I am the sovereign. <laughs> to be fair, if David Bowie showed up at your work and said, hey, move aside, I want to do this. Oh, yeah, no, David Bowie could do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, David Bowie walked into my office and, like, Hi, right, what are you doing? Want to get an email newsletter? Mind if I do? Mind if I try? <laughs> Go ahead, David. Yeah. Rock on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because he's David Bowie, you know. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, you you, oh. you don't tell David Bowie nothing. Yeah, not unless you're Tony Visconti. Yeah, and that's because David Bowie's telling you to t- to not do to tell him to not do something. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, and, and I love that he went back to Visconti because I mean, it's like basically that's to me, like, you know, like in terms of Bowie producers, that's like, you know, up there with going back to Eno. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Eno was considered, but, you know, you know how he is. Yeah. Well, I, and I love too that, like, I mean, it's like that, you know, Bowie and Eno are still really good friends and just like call each other up to do Derek and Clive routines. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm looking to see, uh, looking for Tony's discography here. He's done a lot of great records. Mm-hmm. Well, probably Sp- some shitty ones, too. I don't know. Yeah, Space Oddity, Do Man Who Sold the World. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm looking at this on my phone, so it's not formatted well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know he did Band on the Run. Oh, I didn't know that either, actually. Yeah, David Live. Uh, Young Americans, of course. Sparks Indiscreet. God, what a mm-hmm. great record. The Oh, yes. I didn't know he did The Idiot either. Oh, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't that with Bowie or am I? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's involved on the, of course, the uh, Berlin trilogy with Eno and Scary Monsters. God, I love Scary Monsters. That's a great, great record. Yes. I think that's honestly my favorite Bowie record, period. Yeah, I, I, I know what you talked about this last time. So I, I like, and I, I'm, I'm still probably with Hunky Dory, but it's such. There's so many good ones, and it, it's, it's hard. It's not like some artists where it's just like, oh yes, that was the good one. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're just, you just have a different opinion, and I respect that. Yes, yes, you have a different correct opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if someone was all like, "Woo, never let me down," that you know. <laughs> oh, Tin Machine 2 is the greatest Bowie record. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take you out back and beat you with something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the correct answer is any David Bowie album between um, Man Who Sold the World and Let's Dance. Or possibly, if you're of a certain bent, any of the uh, resurrected Bowie albums like uh, Post-Earthling. Yeah, probably or post outside, I'd say. Yeah, I, although I think it would be weird if you chose outside as your favorite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, unless you're talking about albums from a certain period, it's like, what's the best Sparks album? As long as you're not saying uh, interior design, interior you're design. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Interior design is a rare misfire from Sparks. Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually, I kind of like so important. I don't know why. Oh yeah, I mean it. it like it definitely has you know a few good songs like I I do like so important and Madonna's kind of amusing, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, for a lot of it, it's just sort of like there, and it's sort of like oh, and that's like the least thing that you you want from Sparks. Just like that's the least thing that you want from Bowie is just there. Yeah, and I will say this: they the, the whatever they put the National Crime Awareness Week was as an immediate turnaround. Yes, I, I like that one quite a bit. Uh, it's. <laughs> I, I, I have like a personal theory where like 1987 and 1988 were the two worst years for popular music. Yeah, I'm I'll have to go through my library and see if I can find out find any albums that I really like that were released. Oh, Lincoln was 1988. So there you go. Well, that's the uh, exception that proves that's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, yeah. Like aside from that, I I mean, it's the uh, it's the year when all like the uh, it's also their second album. Like it's 1987 and 88 were the years when all the, the artists that have been putting out material, the really great artists that have been putting out material, put out their worst records. Yeah, you've got I mean, just off the top of my head, Naked, Total Devo, Interior Design, um, Never Let Me Down Again. Um, yeah, just these uh, whatever Gary Newman put out in that year in those years. <laughs> was pretty bad yeah. but then again um oh goodness I'm gonna, I'm gonna just open up itunes and like do a smart playlist of everything from 87 and 88 and see if anything sticks out at me <laughs> but because uh, we still got some time yeah because we don't have a third person <laughs> <laughs> a third person to tell us we're wrong yes that's that's one of the cool things with having andrew is because i mean like like arts tastes are so aligned mm-hmm and like Andrew is a is a, a bit of a curveball in in that he picks stuff uh, uh, that we usually wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole, but a lot of times it actually ends up being pretty good, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I dug the uh, Frightened Rabbit record. I actually read the review of Same that. Same here. On, yeah, I read the review of that on the Onion, uh, on the mm-hmm. AV Club, and. Um, that was, and I really wanted to check it out. I just hadn't gotten around to it. Yeah, well, for me, and I'll, I'll talk about this more. Is like I there was actually like the, again with the AV Club. They uh, one of the, one of the guys in that I think it was like the lead guy did a thing that was uh, like about how he hated uh, Mika's song "Love Today," and so I was all like, "Ah, you suck!" because of that whole thing where we take weirdly take in our lizard hide brains things personally when someone doesn't like something we like uh because i i like mika a whole lot i think mika's awesome i'm not so, really familiar so i can't uh, say okay but okay. i mean so there's that and so i was all like kind of predisposed to be all like fuck you frighten rabbit i'll frighten you with with things <laughs> and then it turned out to be a really good record and i was like oh well then okay I you you are forgiven for not liking good things in kind of a douchey way. <laughs> okay, and I'm looking at my uh, collection of albums from '87 and '88, and yeah, actually, it's not really. My theory is proven, proven false because that uh, the in some some albums that prove me wrong. A little man and a house in the whole world window by Cardiacs. Oh, Be- awesome! Beelzebubba and Bucky Fellini by the Dead Milkmen. Music awesome. for the masses, Depeche Mode. Aliens ate my Buick. I love that record. Psionic Spun Psionic Sunspot. Nah. Sonic Sunspot? I always just say it's Sonic Sunspot. I like with the P silent. I don't know if that's because I mean it's like psychedelic, you don't pronounce the P, so Okay. In any case. But yes, uh, that that's a great record as well by the the Duke's Stratosphere, aka XDC. Yeah. And Aliens is by uh David uh by uh Thomas Golby for those who aren't in the know. Yep. 
Uh, Information Seriously, Society's first yourself. album came out that year. Uh, well, we, were, we weren't talking about like first. We were just talking about established artists. Though. Okay. So I'll skip uh, the King Missile stuff. Micro Disney's 39 Minutes came out in, uh, I think, 88, uh, which was amazing. That was their last album. Mm. Uh, Boingo. Oh, yes. I like that record a lot. Yeah, so do I. I think it's like their last great record. Um, oh, yeah, because we kind of disagree on, on Boingo. Yeah, and of course, let's not forget uh, the album that completely and utterly destroys my theory. God and three persons. Ah, yes. So yes. By the residents, yes, you don't know, but yes. if you don't know that, I'm kind of surprised. Oh yeah, and escape from noise. Oh yes. So yeah, I am wrong, 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 wrong. Oh, and songs about fucking came out in '87 as well. Mm, big black. Yes. I mean, come on, that that is the best album title ever. <laughs> yeah. I always wanted to do a version of it that was called us or uh, not, not a, like an album with like the title songs about puppies. It's like basically the same sleeve, except for instead of like the, the woman getting fucked, it's a, a adorable Disney style puppy. all like going like, Hey, hey my puppy. <laughs> all, 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 all adorable. <laughs> Apparently someone like a year, like last year came out with an album called songs about nothing. And it was a parody of that sleeve where it was like the artist's name, songs about nothing, and just... The, but instead of having the woman there, it was just a green cover. <laughs> like, okay. That's a, that's a pretty good one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the joke doesn't last very long, but... Well, yeah, but, you know, it's still... Mm-hmm. It's still a good joke. Yeah. But yeah, God and Three Persons. On the other hand, points in my favor are... A Momentary Lapse of Reason by Pink Floyd, Interior Design, Naked, Wall of Voodoo's Happy Planet, which, you know, has a couple good songs, but uh, Total Devo, of course. Uh, the Descendants All album came out in 87, and that's meh. So. Oh, yeah, The Elbow's Taboo came out in uh, 87. So, Which one? Oh, The oh, Elbow's was... Taboo. Yeah. I love that record. I, I hope that that's a, a point in the pro or anti-theory favor. Oh, but also anti-theory. I'm not really familiar with it. I haven't really given it a serious listen. But I do know... Uh, like, it's, ha- it, it's my favorite Ronaldo and the Loaf record, actually. Yeah. It's like it's, it, you know, it's one with like, uh, like the one song by them I really know, Hambu Hodo. Ah, uh, yes. Hambuween, Hambu Hodo. Yeah, you put that on uh, on a mix for me, so... All right. Yes. One of the, I think that was the long song mix, I think. Probably. How many what can you hear? How many what can you hear? How many? How many? How many what can you hear? I think that's a I think that's a show right there. <laughs> so, um, where can we find each other on the intro butts? <laughs> I I I am at uh kitty sneezes dot butt. And on Twitter, twitter.poop as Kitty Sneezes, and also tumblr.fart as also as Kitty Sneezes. And last dot as uh, rev me. Clownpenis.fart. <laughs> uh, I'm at sandspoint.com. Sandspoint on the Twitter and the AppNet and the uh, last FM. And uh, we are, of course, crushonradio.com. Crush on Radio on the Twitter and Crush on Radio. Look for us on iTunes. And just so you know, um, recently I've made a change to the Crush on Radio feed, so uh, my apologies if you had to resubscribe or something just couldn't download or whatever. 
uh, or you got like a bunch of episodes in your podcatcher. But uh, now we're off the stupid feed burner thing, so take that, Google, for shutting stuff down. Yeah. And neglecting it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back in uh, hopefully a week with uh, a full cast. Yay. Trashbat.cock. Adios. Bye-bye.